you have to track what you're doing now, period. That's the secret sauce. But for most people, they're trying to invest in the tool because really, I mean, let's talk about it because this is a big part of what I talk about is sales mindset. You're trying to cover up your lack of money coming in the door to make yourself feel really good. And so if you bought all these fancy tools and bells and whistles and you showing up at this event and that event, but you still ain't selling nothing, mm. at least you feel good about yourself like you're really doing something. And all I'm telling you is you're making them companies rich, not yourself. I'm just saying. You're listening to the Coach Up Podcast, where coaches come to learn how to build their coaching businesses to six figures and beyond. I'm Kanisha Hart, your host. Here on the podcast, I get the privilege of interviewing coaches who've already made six and seven figures in their coaching business and are willing to pull back the veil and share with you the strategies, the habits, the techniques, and the tools they use to build to that level so you can do the same. Whether you are a new coach just starting out, or you've been in the business for a while, but you aren't seeing the growth and the revenue you desire, the Coach Up Podcast will give you insight on what you can do next and what you can do now to accelerate or revive growth in your business. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Coach Up Podcast. Let's go ahead and get into it. Today, I had the privilege of interviewing Maya Haradat. She is a highly successful business sales coach with over 15 years of experience. She has an innovative approach that's won her numerous awards and accolades, making her a sought-after industry expert. Maya's signature program is actually called, get this, Crush Your Sales Plan. And it's a comprehensive six-month sales coaching program that's designed to move entrepreneurs from revenue ceilings to consistent cash flow. Maya not only is an expert in sales, which she demonstrates in this interview, but she is so much fun. And so I cannot wait for you guys to get into this episode. I hope you laugh with us and I hope you learn a ton. Let's go ahead and hear what Maya has to say. I want to take a moment to recommend a new podcast I'm into right now. It's called Wife Style Hustle. If you're interested in listening to the real life problems and solutions for moms everywhere, this is the podcast for you. You can look forward to exploring topics such as kid talk, gardening, cooking, DIYing, and working toward being self-sustaining. These two women make hearing about these topics so interesting and entertaining. So I hope you will join me in listening to Wife Style Hustle. That's W-I-F-E Style Hustle. Okay, so tell me about your speaking engagements that you've been doing. So it's a couple of clients um, added some last minute programs as well as like some just speaking in general to entrepreneurs. And so the challenge has been like every time I've gone into your calendar of like when they're when you have availability, they've been asking me for evenings and weekends. <laughs> so That's okay. That is okay. I keep. I kept renewing. I hadn't dropped it. I really had not forgotten about it. I just kept recycling your invite email of like, um, I'll just come back to it again when finally these programs and finally like the, I mean, that really what it is, is they're trying to get a lot of companies are trying to get their budgets in before the end of June because their, their calendar year will go from July 1st through June 30th. And so there were things that I just didn't predict because normally this time of year, I'm like, life is grand. Like I'm not, you know, doing a ton. Um, you know, I don't, I don't do like conferences and things like that, like a lot of my peers do or whatever, but it just, it turned out to be like 
Okay, I'll keep sending the invoice. We'll, we'll keep running the play and you know. I will happily, absolutely. Get that money. Absolutely. Get that money. Exactly. But so, Yes, yes. I'm here for coaches in all ways, shapes, and forms. If you go after the B to C money, um, which has its own uphill battles and and wins that come out, and then also too, I think there is room for coaches in B to B, right? Like there are, um, like a, a there are these like I, one company, for example, they keep bringing me back in to do these trainings with their ERG groups internally um it's myself and a few other trainers that keep getting called back and it's really funny because when I first got asked I was like oh my god this is gonna be like I don't know and then really it's like you just lean in into your coaching skills but for from a different angle you know what I'm saying like it's I don't have to be that world's foremost foremost expert on the topic that they have me talking about. A large part of it is is facilitating a conversation and a dialogue and getting people to think deeply about what they know about the topic itself. So I I mean that's been the the cool part of where all that stuff is opened up where you're kind of like ah, it's right you know. <laughs> How did you so what the ERGs that you've been talking to? What have what are they? Which ones are they? So I can't name company names, um, but I can say that they're primarily, um, th there's a mix. I think that there's a huge amount of time and attention that's being spent for like women ERGs and, um, you know, topics about how to get more women into leadership. And then there's all of the usual affinity groups um, that gotcha. exist. And I think yeah. it's a huge struggle right now. There's a number of tech companies, which, you know, will come as no surprise that, they understand if they're going to keep their people motivated, if they're going to keep their people engaged, that they have to kind of rethink what it means to be an employee. And I'll be blunt. I think right now they're still thinking just events and the people inside the groups are worn out. <laughs> they're tired. Mm, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't want to run another event to prove we care about this issue. Um, but where do you have time to spend to have like what we're doing in theory now to reflect on this conversation and even think about, well, what could that look like? Yeah. You know, so that I'm not overburdening, ironically, the people who are already overburdened. Mm, with more events that they have to plan. Yeah. You know, that's what I need in my life is another event. <laughs> okay. Right. So do people have an idea of what the alternative looks like? Oh, let me phrase that. There is an idea, um, getting companies to invest the time and resources and energy into it. I think it's, you're moving giant ships. They have their priorities. They know where they want to go with it. You know, our business models are still purely capitalistic right now. And I think I am excited because I do think companies are really chipping away at that, you know, at that conversation and me even doing this work, right? Like years ago, I can recall people complaining about this type of thing and companies were like, you know, <laughs> oh well, you know, find another company. Right, um, right. So it, at least now, I mean, I'm actually encouraged, like companies are hiring coaches to come in and work with all types of employees within the company, not just the executive leaders. Um, they are investing in these types of trainings where, no, it's not going to be, I, I, I won't even say a training to your point. It's, it's not going to be this, like, learn this new skill. And then, you know, now you can do blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like, we're going to have a conversation under discussion. We're going to give you some tools. And to be frank, we may not solve it, but at least we can start thinking through, you know, different ways. And what I like is that when people, I think, come together and share best practices, at least in the ERGs conversation, right? Like, that to me is fun because then I hear stuff and then others groups that are doing really well can share their wins too. And then that becomes, I think, um, 
at least there's another step forward. Like we ain't solved the issue. <laughs> but well, we make like, it ain't solved. <laughs> but at the very least, I'm not out here, you know, on a rafter by myself with just me and my other colleague <laughs> paddling furiously <laughs> to no man's land. <laughs> and can't see land. There's no land to be seen. <laughs> At least now it's me paddling, and then I can see my other co, you know, my other um, my other group over there, and they paddling too. They paddling too. <laughs> you, it's a good point though, because so often we feel like we're alone, and or we are in the how do we move forward, especially like company versus employee. We hate to say it, but it does still exist. I'll never forget the time um, that I was taught, and I think there's still some truth to this, but there's definitely gotta be some nuance to it. A president of a company said, what's good for the company is good for the employee. In some aspects. Yes, if the company chooses to go bankrupt, that's not good for the employee. That's bad for the company Correct. and bad for the employee. Correct. But policies, procedures, hard well, lines are not. Can we, have, can we have fun there for a minute? You just said something that's a bomb, by the way, you know. If company goes bankrupt, Oddly enough, it might actually be good for the company, but you're a thousand percent right. It is not good for the employee. Look at bankruptcy. And I'm not an expert on this in any way, shape or form. I am not like be, be a thousand percent clear, but look at bankruptcy and look at how bankruptcy have happened with these large box retailers and kind of how there are huge, there are major benefits for the companies that pick up the liquidations and that are able to pick up the assets, right? So like, you know, you know, one of my favorites right now, Bed Bath & Beyond is out of business. Where am I going to get my, you know, fancy pants, you know, shower curtains from? Like, come on. Um, but Overstock.com, I just read that they picked up the online brand name. Mm -hmm. Now, for me personally, like, that's what I loved about Bed Bath & Beyond. And for all of the employees who would have worked at an in-person facility, we lose because I right. can't go into a store now and compare because I literally did that with my last shower curtain. I was like, well, I don't know if I want it this way or that way. And I could stand there for like hours. Right. And ain't nobody gonna bother me. Nope. I'll be like, no, 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 I want this one. Right. So can't do that no more. I can't do that anymore. But the company itself, while, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, again, I'm not an economist or an accountant or any of those types of things, but there are people that have won from this moment. Point. Um, that are on the back end of the company. Do you know what I'm saying? And so you were 125% correct, not even 100%. You were 125% correct when you said, no, that doesn't always benefit the employee because you're not telling the whole story of how the company benefits. That's true. That's a very good point, actually, um, because of all of the debt that gets written off and all of it, okay, that y'all didn't have to pay back. Yeah, I'll listen. The debt and then the reincarnation y'all get to pull off later on with no assets, no money, okay. and out here with our semi-perfect credit scores still can't get access to credit. Hello, right? Oh man, right. Six months later, pop up. Isn't that the same company? They just changed yes, it. Their name. Yes, they did. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, but back to what you're talking about it is very cool that you're getting to go in and spend the time to talk with these businesses and their employees and shift the conversation well done yeah how did you get right. plugged in it's the network i mean i that's what i'm always promoting with my coaching clients like people 
when I started first doing this, the program, I have Crusher Sales, right? Like a lot of people were like, okay, I want to make more money. I want to make more money. Give me the template, right? And it's kind of like a, give me the playbook that you use. And my thing has been from day one with like all of my coaching clients, I'm like, you got to lean into what your strength is in sales, right? What you do really, 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 really well. And then let's layer a sales plan on top of that. So my forte has always been building long-term relationships. I'm not a good short-term person, um, which is oddly enough where I've struggled in business, right? Because sometimes you do have to build large swaths of awareness and then you spend more time with just a handful of people and you dig in. Um, but I am good about, you know, going to different types of events, networking, and then continuing the conversation with people, right? Or you get one or two small types of contracts. And I see this now a lot with Gen Zers and some millennials, although they've, they've kind of figured this out. Um, they don't want to take the small contracts in the beginning. I'm mm -hmm. like, I understand why. Like, you worth more. I got you. Mm -hmm. Take you a small contract, Right. You judge them and they judge you because that's really what it is. It's an interview. It's not, it's not just you making money. It, yeah, of course, like they should be paying you more, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Um, but I've met a lot of really, really great, like long-term companies that pay me a lot through just getting in the door into different places because then you're in a conversation with three, four other types of clients or individuals. And then that's how the door opens up for you to, to network. Right. Like, so that's where a lot of my long-term relationships have happened is I'll take one contract. And then when I'm in there, you just network with everybody. Right. But you know what? Okay. Maya. So network is a word that we use, but it's like one of those in the space, you have a telescope, but you really can't see the star formation, even though you turn to the person who beside you, like, I can see it. And then they look and they can't see it either, but they're like, oh, I see something. It just seems so abstract right? Like we it use is. that word. And then it is. I always like, I always say, what does that look like? What are you doing? I, okay. Yeah. I, I get the, how can I serve you? Networking is about how I serve you. That's absolutely true. But once I connect with you, what am I sending you an email every other day? Am I calling you up? What does that look like? So how you do that? And, and where's the money? And where's the money? That's, that's the real question. The that's the return. Um, again, I think, so this is where having so two things. So one, I will say that I was very, very fortunate early in my career that I worked for a couple of entrepreneurial companies. So I got to watch business development firsthand and I have never been good at it. I should emphasize, like I worked with companies where they would go to meetings and they would schmooze, 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 schmooze. And then a month later, they would come back and say, we got this 500 K contract. We got this million dollar contract. Like now, Maya, you go out and you execute on that contract type of thing. Um, and so I did get to watch a handful. And, and I felt I to this day, I feel really, really fortunate because I actually was a, I couldn't see all of those conversations. So like, I don't know what happened always, but I could watch the lead up to how we got to the space of where they would land those types of opportunities and like what that looked like. So I start with that as a foundation. And that's been super helpful to kind of get in. I think there's also been a couple of other things that I've always prioritized. And, you know, one of them right now is like what everyone's talking about in the market. And I'm like, like where y'all been at? Hello. Like, um, listen to the problems that people have and how do you help them solve those problems? Mm -hmm. 
right? And so for a lot of people, they go in and they're like, well, this is the work that I do. And then you don't see that exact work in the marketplace, rightfully so, because the market may or may not actually need it. Well, what is in your wheelhouse that fits about something? And ironically, somebody may pay you even more money than what you were asking for if you go this direction or this route, right? So the way that I got into like, supporting with the operations and admin and things like that was literally because of that. I didn't go out and say, I'm going to find, you know, clients that do, I really didn't. I just, I just networked, Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I talk to people a lot. I ask questions, ironically, the opposite of what we're doing right now. I, I usually ask questions a lot and like, you know, learn about people's interests and their likes. And then you listen for the problems that they're dealing with and mm. you listen for how they're, they're, um, they're connected to things that you know that you can solve. And then you just, you maintain a human relationship every six months, touch base and a birthday card, you know, like just find ways to stay in the loop. Yes, I prioritize people who have budget and can make those decisions. So I won't lie about that. So that's part of it too. Yeah. But I think it's listening really, really clearly for what is the problem that needs to be solved and then do I, in my company, do I want to do that? Do I have the bandwidth? Do I have the capacity, you know, the resources, all those types of things. And then, yes, if I do, let me raise my hand and try to get this, this party starting. But I agree with you. Like there's a gazillion people that I have of like business cards and, you know, I don't call all of them. I, I don't, but I do find ways to kind of keep my ear to the ground for the folks that have budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's put that up on the top of the pyramid. Right. Right. <laughs> Practical. And then can I solve, yeah, can I solve their problem? Because if I can solve their problem for me, anyhow, everyone doesn't work well this way. And I know this, but for me, I can speak to your solution. Mm-hmm. I can't always come up and say, this is the work that I do. But if I see a problem, I'm like, that look interesting. Let's try that. Um, I can speak to that. And that for me has made it really easy for the way that I sell um, to be able to get indoors. But even for people who sell where they are really good at the pitch, they're really good at positioning who they are and what they do. You still got to listen for the problem. Because mm. they ain't going to spend the money if they don't have a problem. They just won't. Right. Because they are looking for a solution. I think was, what you just said is so interesting. And just the way you put it clicked for me of you, somebody has a problem you can speak to their solution, even if that's not 110% what you do, but you do have a solution for them. So your business may be X, but out of your knowledge, no, I can I can solve that for you. That's still a business opportunity. And I think so, so many times we get siloed and think, no, I only do fitness and nutrition but this person is having some issues with pain and my fitness would fix that, but I don't acknowledge that. I don't take that opportunity because I don't see it. It doesn't fit in my Yep, yep. Well, you you have to be willing to be frank in the beginning stages. And I think this is the hard part for a lot of um, service-based businesses. And I'll definitely say for coaches, in the beginning, it's really, really, really hard getting over, I'll just call it beginner's curve or the beginner's stages where you don't have enough hours under your belt of the success stories yet. So you're gonna try to focus in on what you feel comfortable, what feels less risky, right? Because then I can deliver on this end result. And I'm here for that. However, 
in the beginning, and I, I mean, this is the battle I have all the time in Crush Your Cells, and it's so much fun when we get to play this game, right? I'm like, you throwing spaghetti up against the wall, boo-boo. Cut it out. Like, I know you have this ideal version of what you want it to be and how it's going to look, right? You know? Right. But you just throw spaghetti up against the wall, and it's my job to help you analyze what's going to stick and what isn't. And the irony is, is you have examples in your life of when you've done this. The first time that you went in the kitchen to cook a meal, right? Hot mess, I'm sure. <laughs> right? All of us. <laughs> right? Facts. I mean, let's have, sure. let's have real let's have real for here, right? You know, I have a black daughter. First time she tried to do her hair. Oh right? Poor baby trying to make a part. So cute. So cute. Right? But what's gonna happen after she keeps repeating that again and again and again and again is right. she's gonna and I have to give her, her prompts now as a result. So it's it's kind of that same thing. It's just that because it's tied to money, because it's tied to our passion and what we want to do in the world, we put a different level of pressure on ourselves around it. Right. And so I've been doing this now for a number of years in this way. So it's super easy for me to lean into that, you know, let's focus on the problem. And then, I mean, that's how I've kept my business alive, to be frank, because if I was if I still tried to keep fo focusing on the things I used to do years ago, that business model doesn't exist anymore. Right. Like it just doesn't. But I've seen it enough times. If you just throw enough spaghetti up at the wall and measure, that's the key. Most people don't do it measure your results a result is not an emotional thing which is what most of that oh come on well who cares what are you doing right are mm. you actually pitching your offers or are you just showing up on social media putting up some pretty pictures and thinking that somebody's going by that's not pitching maya that, that's not pitching that's not a good thing. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty positive it's not. That's, that's what social media is, has implied lately. Social media has implied that as long as I put up enough stories and I put up five to 10 stories a day and on a platform where my client really isn't even there. But if I put, if I, if I put my five to 10 stories in my three posts a day, then people are going to come knocking at my door to buy what I have to offer. Why are you telling me that's for not those, the case? For those who might be listening to this on the audio, I am strategically sipping some tea right now because I can't resist because Kanisha just like. <laughs> I wish y'all could see her. I, I, you eventually will. This will be on YouTube at some point. But... Sip some tea and sit back and laugh over this moment, right? Look. Have you always dreamed of doing voiceover from home but have no idea how to get started? My name's Jesse Carroll and I put together the perfect course for you. It's called the VoiceOver Jumpstart course. It's a course that's designed to take you from knowing absolutely nothing about voiceover all the way to everything you need to know to be a working professional in only six weeks. So if you want more information, head over to jessiecarrollcoaching.com and you can even book a one-on-one -on -one call with me if you want to find out if it's right for you. So thanks for listening to the Coach Up podcast and hope to see you in the course. Social media, while yes, it can be free, it can, I'll just say that can, because in a lot of ways it's not, um, it is marketing. And you need a marketing plan in order to be able to successfully attract awareness, build relationships, and turn that into cash in your business. And the way you turn things into cash is you close 
clients. That's the sales part of it is the actual closing. But if you're not building enough awareness, right? If you're not speaking to the specific problems that people want, and then you're not connecting the dots for the person who does not understand how they're going to get the solution. Now, see the difference in the formula I give you when we first started is that for a lot of the people that I'm working with, they kind of sort of know how they're going to get to the end result. They already have budget available. I just got to help them fill in the dots. They've got some things together. If you are a coach and you are posting on social media, for a lot of the people that you're connecting with, they have no clue about that. They don't know what budget they should be spending to solve this problem. They just know it's a problem. They know they want it solved. And if you don't connect the dots for them on how you're going to help them with your method, right? And it's a method that they then understand and are willing to take the faith and the trust to invest in you, which that's a huge deal. Hello. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? Like, I'm going to spend my money now. What do I get? You know? Um, Facts. <laughs> so I'll just stop there because I might I might run into a whole lesson in five halves and I just might have to sip some more tea because Kanisha going to have me laughing and I'm here for it. All right, I'm here for it. Because you know I'm going to ask. I'm sure going to ask. <laughs> you should. As you should. Because this it's straight up nonsense what people are doing and not connecting the dots. Social media is a marketing opportunity. So create a marketing plan. Mm, okay. But again, if I market and then I need to help people understand why they're going to give me my mo their money because I've shown that they can trust me, isn't putting a call to action enough? When I say go to my website and sell, uh, and buy. No, no. So, so then what's my process from my marketing plan that you say I have to have, Maya, on my social media to them actually putting in a credit card or sending money directly to my bank account? Like, what are those next steps? What does that look like? Yeah, yeah, so there's a number of things that you've got to do on your on your back end to kind of work through this. And I think where most people get stuck, myself included, and I'm still learning and growing in this this work myself, right? Is is that you have to understand in your business itself what your back end systems, your marketing, your offers, what do they look like? So here's where I would start first and foremost. What is the actual product offering that you're making? What is the solution that your company is providing? Now, here's where I find a lot of coaches run into challenges, myself included. We want a coach. Don't nobody want to pay for coaching. Don't nobody want to pay for coaching. They don't like, that's, I mean, I'll just call it, it's BS. Like I want to pay to go out to brunch with my friends and mm -hmm. talk trash. I want to do that end of the spectrum, right? Because like, that's fun and that's exciting. Right. Mm -hmm. And I get drinks and stuff. Um, I also want to pay someone to do the stuff that's not working in my business and just you take care of it. I don't want to deal with it, right? Sure. But all of that in the middle, the actual work that many coaches do, and I'm referencing life coaches, business coaches, health coaches, like everything that's in the middle, you have to clarify for people how your work works and if you don't sit down and you don't think through the steps on how that work works right and then you're gonna have to get a phd in marketing it is what it is right you need to learn how to message to your people you need to understand how to position your offer you need to understand 
who your target market is and what like makes them tick. So for example, I've done um, tests in social media. I use social media often for tests. I don't close very well on social. I know a lot of folks that do and, and they're awesome at it. I'm not a good closer on social, but I use social for testing things. So I found out that the marketing that works best for me to attract people is when I'm a little smarty pants, right? When Maya's no. all nice, she's giving her little how-tos and blah, 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 blah. They'd be like, oh, that's nice. Mm. But I'd be like, listen, <laughs> this is the way y'all screw it up, okay? <laughs> I just got off of a coaching call and for the 500th time, I'm sick and tired of hearing this nonsense, so I'm going to let y'all know, right? And they're like, 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 share, like. Comment. You read me, Maya, you understand me, right? Like. But that is because I also recognize that my audience is people who are pretty similar to me, right? So it's folks that have been raised in underestimated households, underestimated, I emphasize that, underestimated households, where you probably had very, very strong parent role models, you had very, very strong social support systems and things of that nature, but now you're out here in the real world, they don't change the whole playing game and the whole field, and you need someone that's going to give it to you straight and direct, right? Because that's what you've been hearing all of these years, and so you kind of your antenna is tuned into that. You know what I'm saying? You need it straight and direct and kind of to the point. And then you also need a space of like grace and, you know, like, you know, you're going to be kind of taken care of, but I've done work to figure out that's who my client is. That's not everyone's client, right? So then, then I know how to kind of build the formula for, okay, here's how I'm going to message on social media. And then the way I often will close people is that I will host different workshops or I'll host events. And then at the end of the event, I'm good at pitching. Hello, I'm good at speaking, right? So that's a natural, that's why social doesn't work in that way. The same way, if I get you in front of me at a workshop, bad. <laughs> like we good. We closing. We closing, right? But it requires you to have to master marketing in your business. And for far too many people, they don't want to put in that work. They mm. don't want to spend the time. They don't want to throw the spaghetti at the walls because you're going to throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and run through mm. boxes of pasta. But when you start figuring out which one does stick, then you just double down, triple down on that. And to be frank, you're, you're able to build an entire business model from that because the beauty of that formula is that I then can create systems and SOPs and processes behind the scene. So it's not dependent upon Maya to stand up on a stage and have to close people, no. No, I've gotten a place down pat now where there's onboarding systems and there's systems around bringing people in and there's systems around the relationship building. So it's not all on me, but you got to be willing to go through that work of figuring out who your people are. And most of us did not go to school for marketing. Correct. And like you said, most of us just want to pay somebody else to do it because we don't want to deal with it. Okay. So two questions. Um, I want to come back to, I want to ask you to give an example in your business of, I guess, the system that you were talking about, either the relationship building system, like what is that? Is that email? And then is that text? Is that a newsletter? Like, what is that full system? Just so people can get an Visualize idea. Visualize it. Yep. Um, but mm -hmm. before I come back to that, I want to ask, you just said, like, you still have to throw some spaghetti against the wall. And you use social media to test, but that takes me back to um, what does that cup say? I'm sorry, y'all. Be a nice human. Nice, okay. Yeah, nice so, yes, yes. I completely I got distracted. 
I like the size of the cup. That's all it really is. <laughs> okay, it's very cute. Um, but it comes back to measuring, like, which mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You talked about you market, but then you measure, and it as you were talking about, you now know what works, what social media attracts, but how did you measure? Because I don't know that people really understand how to do that. So the measuring, I love you caught that connection. The measuring is the secret sauce to all of this. And you are talking to a liberal arts college grad that was super proud. She did not have to take math in college. Let me just say that. Okay. Like, I don't like dealing with that crap. I really don't. Okay. Now you give me a blue book and a question and an hour and a half to write an essay. Bet. On it. I got you. Right. So. I want to emphasize that if it's coming from me and that persona, that means that anybody can do it. And that's why I emphasize that part. I think it's huge. You have to track what you're doing now, period. That's the secret sauce. And you're going to want someone to hand you a template of like, well, this is what you're supposed No, that's their formula. That's what works for them. That's what got them to where they are. So for example, I am a speaker. I know how to go in and close a room standing in person or now I've gotten good on this, you know, virtual as well too. Even if another speaker gives me their template, I still won't necessarily have the right formula for the way I get to the close and the way that that shows up. So what I started doing in my own business years ago is I just started measuring things like how many events am I going to per month? How many business cards am I getting from that? How many people am I following up with? The follow-up is everything, right? You're going to get people on a call right now that today they're not interested in you in working with you or you're, they're not ready or whatever, whatever. But what is your system around following up? And so at one point I just became a fierce follow-upper, <laughs> right? Like, okay. and there's email tools right now. Like you can use one of those email plugins on your Gmail or whatever, and just be like, okay, calendar this to remind me three months from now, six months from now mm -hmm. to just touch base with that person and see how they're doing and what's going on. But a lot of people won't do that to build the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. They just like, oh, they don't want, they don't want to work with me now. They ain't got the money. They're not ready. Well, they're not, but you know, like, could be could be exactly it could be and if you position yourself at the right time and the right space like then you're closed you don't even close them maybe like i'm ready to work with you you know what i'm saying right. yeah so i think if you just start with whatever you're doing naturally i think people could benefit in a huge way just from the follow-up alone mm. if you just started tracking your follow-up for six months you know is there a right rhythm of how frequently, don't get into the weeds on it, just whatever comes naturally for you. Like if you feel like, okay, I spoke to this person and they said not right now, then I might look at six months from now. But if you speak to someone else and they're kind of like, oh yeah, you know, this week isn't a good week, but I could be, then maybe a month from now or two weeks from now, you follow with that person. Um, but I think if you just start by tracking whatever you're doing now and measuring that, right? Like I still track to this day, how many times that I'm pitching myself, how many times that I'm, you know, sending out proposals or putting myself out there. Sometimes I get a crude, rude awakening. <laughs> I don't like what I see, right? Do you, does that come because something's changed? Like you tweaked something? Or I wasn't doing anything. You know, like you look at week after week and you're like, oh, I, I ain't reaching out to nobody. I ain't talking to nobody. Well, then I can't get mad six months from now when there's no money in the hopper because I haven't been out there pitching and promoting and putting my business out there. So sit down, shut up and look at your numbers, you know? So I think for 
too many people were like, oh, I have to learn this comp. No, no. Like track what you are doing. You don't have to always learn and go out. Like in, in the work I do with Crush Your Sales Plan, we don't, I'm not teaching this whole formula you have to learn. No, I'm just, what is it that you already do naturally? What do you know? And then let me help you customize the plan. Like I'll, you'll have my eye on what you're tracking. Now that's the game changer I think of working with me is now you have my eye on what you're tracking. And that opens up the whole window because I'll see things that you're not going to see. But for a lot of people just first getting started, if they themselves just started doing the tracking work, half of your answers is in the numbers. So start looking at the outreach you're doing, start looking at the follow-up that you're doing. If you go an entire month and you did not make an offer to your earlier point, why are you complaining that nobody working with you? You're just gonna drop the mic right there. That's I'm it. Just, you know, we're just gonna have a moment. We just, that's what it is. Okay. So Maya, just real quick, I'm sure I need a system, an app, a tool, a technology to track this because an Excel spreadsheet is just not enough, right? What do I need? How much, first of all, how much are you making? If I haven't pushed anybody, I'm not making anything. So cut it out and use a damn Excel spreadsheet and, and work it out until it screams and hollers at you and is like, I can't take it no more. And then ironically, at that point, you have enough customers anyhow, so you can then afford to pay for whatever the tool and widget is. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud wrong? It, you you just said it out loud. This, and I think it needed to be said. <laughs> so uh, there were a gazillion tools out there, right? And I'm here for every single one of the service providers. I've even debated myself a couple of times of like going in certain lanes where there's like certain tools that are out there that are like off the top. For many, many entrepreneurs, right? I, I mean, I'll give it from this perspective, from a revenue perspective, although it doesn't always work perfectly. I just want to emphasize that it does not always work perfectly like this. But I'll say from a coach, a coaching business that has gotten to a consistent, consistent 100K you can start investing in a lot of the tools and start playing around with the processes and things of that nature. If you haven't gotten to that 100, that consistent, and I emphasize that consistent, I don't mean just mean you do a launch one time or you do some big thing one time and then you can't duplicate your efforts because that's not a business. That's just an event, right? Mm -hmm. I'm happy for you. I'm happy you made money. Like we're going to celebrate that, but that's not a business, right? But if you're consistently bringing over hundred K, that's typically where I see where people then have both the money at that point to invest in the right system for themselves. Cause to be frank, you're probably going to have to customize there. There's nothing that's going to do it perfectly for you. You're going to have to customize parts and pieces, right? And also you'll have a little bit more time bandwidth because you'll have, you'll know the flow of how your money kind of comes in. For folks in the beginning stages, you just got to be honest. It's going to look ugly. It's going to be messy. It's not going to be clean. And for many of us who were white collar service professionals and, you know, we're adjusted to our like, you know, bells and whistles and like, I get to send the deck out to so-and-so before we like, you don't have none of that. And nobody cares. Your number one job is to sell, period. Yeah. Just sell, get out there, get the money coming in, get the clients coming in, and then we can clean up all the crap because there will be, there's no doubt about it. But the reality is, is that until someone can sit down and look at your numbers, and that's why I'll use 100K. Again, it's not perfect. 
right? Because some businesses, like in my old business model where I worked primarily with other businesses, you reach 100K quick. Like you just get a couple of clients and you there. And you still may not be ready for those systems yet, to be frank, right? Because of the size of the scope of the contracts. But if someone is doing B2C coaching, I think, you know, 80, you can get started with it. You hit that 100, you're good. Like there's something that's going to shift where you can kind of then move into, you know, bigger tools and widgets and things like that. And the key will be, we will have enough data. That's the key at that stage to know what the best solutions will be for you to invest in. But for most people, they're trying to invest in the tool because really, I mean, let's talk about it because this is a big part of what I talk about a sales mindset. You trying to cover up your lack of money coming in the door to make yourself feel really good. And so if you bought all these fancy tools and bells and whistles and you showing up at this event and that event, but you still ain't selling nothing, mm. at least you feel good about yourself like you're really doing something and all I'm telling you is you're making them companies rich not yourself I'm just saying I don't have uh something to sip on but if I did I would a virtual Starbucks that's what we gonna do because you just dropped a bar about yes we think oh if I pay for this if I put all this money into it, when I feel like I'm doing something, I feel like I'm making traction. I feel like I have a business. And then other people will think as they go through it, but don't actually hit the button that says, put my credit card in and buy. As they look at it, that I'm something, but I'm really just covering up for, like you said, lack. Yeah, how how you help people fix that? <laughs> So let, I'll give you a very real, real example with to what you're talking about. And and I will say that what I'm I'm going to say is controversial because I am a speaker. And so I'm now like, ooh, like that's just, you know, ooh. I have personally, so pre-pandemic, right? I think it's shifted now since the pandemic and at least now work from home is seen in a different light. Speaking conferences and things like that, how we get educated on these topics is seen differently. But I have been very, very challenged pre-pandemic of people investing tons of money, thousands of dollars to go to conferences that are entrepreneurship conferences, and then they come home and do nothing. Yes. But I was able to show up on social media. Let's go back to that earlier example. I was able to show up on social media. Hey, talking to someone, look at me. Hey, I'm high in the spa. Look at me, blah, 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 blah. And I, I have a real issue with that because there's always these amazing guest speakers. There's always these amazing, you know, ideas and networks and people that you're going to be like that part about in person, I do think isn't critical and important, right? Like I totally get that. Although ironically, we're doing the version right here where we're meeting each other in an incredible way and not in person, but you know, whatever. I digress. Right. I digress, right? <laughs> um what are you then doing to take action to change your situation afterwards? Yeah. That, um, you know, if you really, really got it, a business is an asset. Everyone is, there's this whole thing about business's lifestyle. I want to run a lifestyle business. No, 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 no. By law, a business is an asset. And if you do the homework on it, and you don't have to believe me, just do your homework. Mm -hmm. A business is an asset. So why are you treating it 
like some little throwaway rat. Like you give more attention to everything. Like your home, you wouldn't treat your if you buy a house, right? Mm-hmm. People buy a house the the first couple of months that they're in the house. They every weekend they roll up into the home the home okay. store. <laughs> Do it <laughs> yourself. It. What are we doing? Right, just dropping money, right? The family coming over for Thanksgiving, you're just spending the money out, right? You know, because it's an asset and right. you want that asset to show, and it, as you should, I want to yeah. be clear, as you should. So why would you think that a business would be otherwise? Now, I mean, I personally think there's reasons as to why we've been taught to believe that. I'll be very upfront about that. And I think it's done on purpose because if we ever understood the real power of how that asset worked, if you actually understood what your balance sheet actually is and how it works if you actually spent the money and got the really good accountant to work with you on a tax planning strategy so that you can sit down and connect the dots between your financial goals in life and what you're paying in taxes right now and like all the bells and whistles that kind of go into it you could be employing your grandchildren's children Mm. come on but you just want to show up at a conference and look cute for the for the photos, right? And I'm I'm here for you doing that, but if you miss the point that it is an asset and it's going to require some sweat equity, it's so you start out with some Google Sheets and you track your numbers and you get real and you get honest. And then when it comes time, when you get honest about what's going on, you pay for the things that are going to move you to the next level. You don't go paying for the tool that you saw the coach that's making a million dollars, what she uses, because you ain't at that level yet, baby. Mm. What did she use to get her first 100K? What did she use to get to half a million? Like, I want those things because she was not using the things she recommended right now. Right. That's so good because you're so right. People see the multi-six-figure, the seven-figure coaches, and they want to know what they're using. No, ask the question, what did you use when you were trying to get to your first 50K? What did you use when you, and I get it, right? Like, and I get that coaches and are promoting their services because they know, yes, this will make, it can make your life easier. But people also have to come to terms with where am I and will that make will it make my life easier or is it going to cause more stress because I have to pay for it and I don't even have the people to support the payment <laughs> that I'm about to take out of my, not, not even my bank account, my credit card. Retire, or retirement, even worse, right? Like, but you know, Kanish, you just said something powerful. I'm here for that person that hasn't reached that level of where their coach is. And they're like, I'm going to invest in that tool because that's what my coach uses and she rocks it out and blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to put in the hours. I'm going to put in the money. I'm going to actually hire the implementation specialist that costs 10 grand rather than me trying to do it myself because I already see where the business model is that I want to grow. And I'm going to have to get someone good because they're going to have to understand, no, I don't have that money coming in right now. (laughs) So we're building systems out without all of the bells and like all the data that I spoke about earlier. We're going to build these systems out with all of the data. But it also will then allow me to, once I hit my like run and I start getting those folks coming in, I'll have no problems onboarding folks. I'll have no problems closing them, getting them to renew again, like all of that type of stuff. So I am here for that person that will do that. Like, I, I don't, I don't think to your point, you have to wait until we get completely to that stage and the whole thing done broken down. No, right. but you then it's not, it's just not going, you're not going to wake up and like, the system didn't attract the people. The sy- getting the system didn't do the work to feel 
the system so that the system works. So your point, you got to do the work. You got to put in the time. You got to put in the work, right? Yeah. It's just plain and simple. That's all. Very. You mentioned data and we've talked about measurement, but I just want to make sure people understand, like, if you're going to have data, you've actually got to be tracking stuff to have. Because if you're doing activity for six months and you've not put the number of times that you've reached out to people, the number of people who have closed, the number of people who were leads that didn't close, the number of people you sent emails to, that if you don't have any of that over the course of time, you don't have any data to then utilize to inform you of next step, tweak, what system I can use if the system's gonna work to put into the system. Is that a fair assessment? Thousand percent, which is why you're now paying to go to events, you're paying to get coaching or programs or things like that to fix what you think is the problem. But the truth of the matter is, is you haven't been able to actually articulate what the real problem is because you haven't taken time to look at the data. And for most of us, the real data is, is we are not making enough offers. We are not pitching ourselves enough and there's a way to do it. Like you don't, I don't, I don't need anyone to be, you know, the old school used car salesman type of thing. Right. Like I'm not saying that at all where your family come, you know, you come in the door, your family come running. Cause they know you come in with the, you come in with the offer again. And they're like, oh, he was right? like, we're not doing that. That's not it. Um, but even that to me is a perfect example. If your family is running away from you, that means you haven't spent enough time building awareness of new people. You're still talking to the same five people. And if you actually started measuring that part of like, how many pitches did I make? How many people were follow-ups versus how many people were new people that were in my world, right? Like we'd see the trend immediately. I mean, that's a problem that I see very frequently with folks that um want that raise their hand and say, hey, I want to work with you, Maya. They have tapped out their friends and family network. That's very common. Okay. And they don't, they can't always articulate that's what it is. I can hear it right away when they're like, hey, I sent out the email and I don't have anyone new coming to the workshop where I'm going to close people. I don't have anyone new coming to the whatever. And the past four, five, six times that they've done that, they always got people showing up and always got people ready to raise their hand and to close. And now you're like, well, what happened? Well, then we need to, so it still means you probably have some people that are on the, your email newsletter, right? That they haven't gone through the program. So you want to examine why, right? Like, is there, is the price too high? Is it not the right offer? What the case may be. And so there's numbers to look at for that. But the truth of the matter probably is you're not tracking now the area. There's a blind spot in what you're looking at. And that's where working with someone like myself, where I can see that, like, if you report back to me, I have people report back on a pretty, on a weekly basis. That's primarily how we operate is like, whatever it is you're going to do, I need to know every single week, like what your action steps you're taking. I keep track of that. And over time, I'm mentally going to be able to see like, oh, she's not doing this or he's not doing that. And then that's when we can then drill down into where those blind spots are. Cause you can't see everything yourself, right? My own Which coach is- catches me on the same thing. So, you know which is why we need a coach, which this is a great time, 45 minutes into the conversation, for you to introduce yourself, Maya. <laughs> Wait a minute, we don't know, know each other already. Maya, I know you, but no one at this point does. Nice. 
if you work from home, if you are a remote worker, if you're a business worker and you work from home and you sometimes just wish you could get together with other people who work from home, you just wish you could get out of your house and just be around other people who are working as dedicated and focused as you are, but you get to be in the space of other fellow remote workers, you want to join the Coffee Shop Coworkers Facebook group. We are connecting people all over the country in coffee shops where you can go for free, meet other like-minded people to hang out, to work together, whether it's for two hours, whether it's for four hours, whether it's all day, but you get to connect with people like you who are working from home, who want to be around other people and still get work done and just create a new network. So come check out the Facebook page, join the Facebook page, Coffee Shop Coworkers today so we can start connecting you to fellow future coworkers. Um, I'll be honest, appreciate that. Um, because, um, in my mind, it's like, we are all here on this planet and we kind of all collectively kind of work together and then we'll figure out all the details and the specifics yeah. later on. We'll work. We'll, we'll work figure that out later. Totally. Totally. Um, oh. so hello everyone. My name is Maya Haradat. I'm a business coach and speaker, and I help people uncover what they don't know that they don't know about running successful small businesses. And for me, that work has been very, very, very um, and key and important because I think for a lot of businesses to get from that micro to that small level to now even larger business, you're not getting caught up with the things that you know how to do, right? If you're, if you're a coach, for example, you've probably invested time and energy into learning how to coach. That's the part you understand. It's all the other stuff that no one has taught you about marketing, about sales, about you know finances, about operations and systems and things of that nature. And for far too many of us, we're only able to rely on the things we used when we were in the work environment. And yet there's all of these other things that you kind of have to learn. So a couple of years ago, I um, right during the pandemic, I wanted to see like what types of very specific things I could support people with and kind of drill down into that even further. And so I actually started this program called Crusher Sales Plan, which is a six month group coaching container that I help you create a customized sales plan based on what you do naturally. And that's the key. There is no template that I'm going to give you. Are there a ton of videos you can watch and content pieces? Of course, all that's there, all that's there. But the real solution is, whatever your sales strength is, however you do what you do really well, let's stick to that. Let's focus on that lane and get that going. And then once you have that down pat, we can then build in the backend systems and processes that are gonna help you turn that into consistent revenue. Because for far too many entrepreneurs, they're bringing the money in, but it's that revenue roller coaster is going like this, <laughs> right? And like, you know, one month you're, you're looking at your bank account, like, you know, and then like three months from now, you're like, I don't understand what happened to my life. Why did this happen? Well, because you 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 got to go hand in hand with, um, you know, making offers and pitches and things of that nature. And then also setting up things on the back end because, you know, we're only but, you know, one person really in terms of how we kind of operate. And so I've had now a number of people go through the program. The wins for me are off the chain amazing because my focus is on underestimated entrepreneurs. It is the people who very often and frequently that they have been looked at as like, yeah, yeah, they'll make a little bit of side money, a little bit of hustle money, but they're often the first generation college graduate in their family. They're often the first generation entrepreneur in their family. Their family doesn't understand this entrepreneurship thing, 
right? They're still looking at it as like it's a freelance or it's a side hustle. And that's cute. That's cute. But we should be able to put the babies through college with this if we play this halfway right. So it's an asset. Business is an asset. Let's let's build it from that level. And there's just a lot of information that has very intentionally been left out for underestimated um, individuals. And so while I can't change the systemic realities, right? Like we're not going to change tomorrow, like what the lending landscape looks like for women or for people of color, you know, hopefully it changes, I'll just say. Um, but in the, in the meantime, I think there's a number of us that do have a passion, we do have a drive, but there's a number of mechanics that you're not gonna get in B-School to be frank, right? And I think B-School is important, don't get me wrong. I think that there is a value of going to get more education, but a lot of these tools that I'm helping you build in your business, no one's going to help you figure out how do you work? How do you make things happen? And so my job is to be eyes on your play to help you build that up. And then really quickly, the piece that is so exciting for me is the sales mindset piece, because I also think that that's the bigger piece that's missing from a lot of these conversations. Um, you can use all the tools, tips, tricks in the world, but if you don't look underneath the iceberg, if you don't look underneath the surface, the layer that's underneath the water that an iceberg has, and get into your belief systems, your patterns, your habits, right? I know when someone does not show up a couple of weeks, it's not that they're ignoring the messaging that I'm telling them about what did you do this week? They're not ignoring me. It's just that they've created the pattern in their head and the loop and the conversation in their head that they have to show up perfectly all the time. And they know they can't show up perfectly for me. So now they don't want to show up at all. And I'm kind of like, no, you had a bad week. You didn't do squat. All right, what you going to do next week? right like there it is there it is you know but it you if you have not been if you have not worked in professional environments that that's the way they think and operate then it's very hard to make that transition it's very hard right and you will you will spiral in that space versus being able to push through and move through and take action and so a huge part of the work that i do you know there's no way i can like track it per se because how do you track mindset but a huge part is helping people get out of their own way. Like, what is that mindset block that is stopping you from pitching large offers, right? What is that mindset block that is pitch that is stopping you from, you know, taking on whatever that areas you want to grow within your business? And let's have at it and have fun with it. Okay, so y'all hear she does a lot, but <laughs> in a very specific area that is so conducive to success for your business. You mentioned, thank you for explaining underestimated because you had said that before and I'd written it down to come back to because it's not a term that I think I've heard in relation to people. And so to hear first-generation college, first-generation business owner, first-generation millionaire, like that's a really interesting term that I don't think people really recognize or see themselves as and the barriers that that may create with it. That's uh, it. Yeah, totally. And so let's be clear. When I when I first started using this term, um, my real goal and and really the work that I do center is, is making sure that Black and Brown women are able to grow their businesses, right? Like, let me be very, very clear and intentional to say that. That being said, I've always struggled because, you know, for years and even right now, I don't bring in all of my um, my worth from just you know, my my, um, the, my revenue rather from just my coaching because I really do enjoy working with B2B clients. I enjoy working with a wide variety of companies and organizations that are dealing with bigger challenges and like how do we solve for X. For me, it's just fun. It's interesting. It puts me in different spaces and places. And so 
I really struggled with this of like, how do I help position it in a way where I'm going to center, right? And if you know me, you won't understand that. I'm going to center black and brown women voices, but it's not just our, like, and, and we're not homogenous anyhow, you know, as a, as a black woman, I'm not homogenous, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm from New York, born and raised, but like, you know, my, my, the way I was reared was very Southern, right? Like very Southern, you know, I, in certain environments, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, you know, right. even as a grown woman, I know my rules, I know how this works, right? And so yeah. there's, there's nuances to that. And I think far too often we're creating these very blanket, like, you know, this is for this and this is for that. And you're a thousand percent right, Kanisha, like, but it's like, but is that really going to help me? And I found personally that I struggled with this first gen thing um, on multiple levels because, you know, no one in my family, I mean, like my running joke and, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a funny story. If you understand it, like my mother literally went to her grave and had no idea what her daughter did, but she'd been on planes with me. She's traveled with me with clients. She'd done been with me at awards events. She doesn't see me speak in front of hundreds of people. No clue. <laughs> like... <laughs> She does something. She talks to people. She does. And I get and to, exactly I get to go on trip. Yeah, she was like, yeah, my baby was out talking to so-and-so and blah, 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 blah. But if you would have asked, like, well, what is it that she does? I don't know. <laughs> right? And and yeah. listen, it's it's perfectly fine. I'm okay with it. Like, you know, her, her whole goal was for me to be able to be self-sufficient and to take care of myself. And I think I've done a darn good job in doing that. But even that I think is a big deal because for a lot of us, we were not a rate, we were not raised with this ability to take risks. I feel grateful that I that I have been, right? Um if you don't have a safety net, right? Let's keep it real. If you don't have a safety net, you don't want to take risks because you got to make sure, right? Like this is going to work out. And so I understand that. I understand that reality. If I screw up, like it is a problem if I screw up. So I'm not going to come at you from the same perspective for people. And, and it's not to judge. It just is what it is where, you know, they're not the main breadwinner in their household or they, they can, they can make multiple mistakes. And then they have a mom and dad that will then, you know, take them back home for a couple of months or whatever, whatever. I don't have that reality. Right. right? And so I thought it was important to find a way to kind of call that out so that if I use a term to your exact point, people are like, well, what does that mean? How does that show up? What does that look like? That you would kind of understand like the more you hear it, that you fit into this container, you fit into this bucket. And underestimated is also huge too, because it just means you just haven't been in the right resource space. That's good. Bring I'm just the... saying, it's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Because the talent is there. The drive may be there. You just need the nurturing environment, the education, yeah. the support, which is why coaches are so valuable. So valuable. Oh, listen, listening to your podcast and listening to some of the rock stars that you have had on there and some of the work that they're actually doing, it's so needed because in our society, if you're not in like a lucky 1% or a lucky 3% where your company pays for it, right? or your mom and dad are already getting it so you get access to it or things of that nature. How do we grow and get the access to the best resources and the like, you know, and there's all of this that we need to learn in this world. And so 
in order to be like a really fulfilled, you know, person and to really realize the potential and the possibilities of who I am and what I do, I think it's important that we invest finding the right coaches. I mean, not everyone is right for everyone, but finding the right people that they've put in the work and they can help you push that conversation forward in a way that, to be frank, you'll cut off like 10 or 20 years of learning in the process. Who doesn't want that? Facts. One, thank you for listening to the podcast. Two, you just said something that's so true. You either, you're either going to do time or money. You're going to pay for your business acceleration in either time or money. Either you're going to have to put in a lot of time. And I'm not talking about three hours a day. I'm talking about six months, a year, five years, because you're either unwilling or unable mm-hmm. to input the money that's going to get you someone to shorten the time curve, or you're going to put in the money. So it's going to cost you something. There's going to be a sacrifice to be able to get someone who can shorten the time for you to give you the shortcuts, to give you the knowledge that you don't have. And and I'll just say, so coaches hear this. It's been said multiple times on my podcast, but you aren't paying when you're charging and when you're paying for coaching, when you're charging a client, for your coaching and your pain. You're not paying for the hour. You're not, you're paying for the experience and the knowledge that you have or that the coach that you want to work with has that they have spent years, hours consuming, processing, regurgitating, putting it into a format that can get you back to what you talked about earlier, the solution that you need. Period. I mean, that one, can we like drop like 20 mics in a room right about now off of that one alone? Because people look at it as an expense and and it is an expense. I'm not, you know, and different coaches charge different rates and blah, 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 blah. I'm not discounting that at all. But if you actually got what the actual ROI opportunity is. Massive. That's the game changer. I mean, really? I did this, I did this yesterday, Kanisha. And listen. I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I am good at what I do. And other coaches that know how to do what I do can do something similar, right? I got on a phone call. It was a half an hour. The client who was a creative had a couple of questions about different directions that she could go in to kind of build her business out. So she tells me what those scenarios are. Within 16 minutes, because I counted the time, within 16 minutes, she had the plan. Look at that. Because I, it's literally what she said. I've heard that story a hundred times before. I know exactly how to help you get from point A to point B. Now you got to do the work. Like I'm not, right. afterwards, she has to implement and execute on the actual work. But I, she literally said, she was like, oh my God. She had been referred um, by one of my current clients. She was like, oh my God, so-and-so said you were good and you were freaking awesome. And I was like, I appreciate it, but you still got to go do the work. Right. But what I heard from her response was that I cut off three to five years of learning curve. I know I did. Absolutely. Three to five years of learning curve of her trying to figure it out. And I'm like, no, just do this. That's it. Yeah. We have to invest. Yes. 16 minutes. Y'all. I was proud of myself. That was was a record for me. (laughs) You should be. Which is why. In case y'all haven't figured this out yet, y'all need to go look at Maya. And connect and follow. See what she got going on. So you can see. Do I need to be in this program? You probably do. A thousand percent. Okay. All right. So, okay, great. I still have, I still have a little bit of time. All right. I want to ask, 
Um, okay, this is a very simple thing, but sometimes I think yeah. we talk in terms, uh, I know acronyms I'm horrible at, so I always ask people, but I still think we sometimes talk in terms that people, especially new to the business mm -hmm. aspect, mm -hmm. uh, you might have been mm -hmm. coaching for years, but business may not understand. Really quickly, can you explain just back end what that, what's meant by that? And then I'm going to go in. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So there's probably an eloquent way of describing it. Um, but what I, the way I would describe it in my own business is the backend systems are the processes, the checklists, um, the project management tools. It's all of the things that help you run the business itself that if you don't do those things, you cannot collect on the check. So um, the, the best example that I can give is, is that one of the big switches for a lot of people when they first start freelancing is to get adjusted to sending out invoices, right? It's mm -hmm. a really, really hard thing. If you've worked for a job and you even like, you know, at a job at most are going to make you punch in or punch out. Like if you work at a type of job where they track you hourly, but for most of us, they know you was there, you know, you was there, you ain't got to track nothing. And every two weeks or every month, your check is there. And then you move into this model of where no, now you got to go in and justify the work that you did. And you you got to send out the invoice and you've got to send out the agreement to like, say, we're going to work and here's what the scope of work is going to look like. And you have to think through all of that, what the scope of work is going to look like. And then you have to remember to send out the invoice in the right, at the right time of when they're going to be paying things, right? Because you work with some of these large B2B clients and they tell you, we're going to give you a net 30 and that's 60. But if you don't get into our system, by X, Y, and Z, you've got to wait six more months before it happens. So the backend system are all of the things that you often don't see when you see that successful entrepreneur on the stage talking about their seven-figure business, right? You don't see their ops manager. You don't see their, their VA and their executive assistant who's been kind of running 60 things. You don't see the marketing agency that they hired and got rid of you know, three and they're now on their fourth one. You don't see all of those steps behind the scenes. But for a lot of businesses, that's where they're struggling because they just want to do the work. I'm the first one like that, right? Like I love to deliver workshops. That is my fun. That is my joy. But in order to deliver the workshops, right, I got to have, I got to send in the materials and the details. I have to do the prep call of like to go through the tech setup and to make sure that I understand the run of show and exactly when I need to come in and what are we promoting and like all of those details. So I'm on stage for an hour. I have easily spent 20 hours behind the scenes. And that's not even counting the time I put into my own tech and practicing and things of that nature. I've spent 20 hours behind the scenes and then I still got to make sure that invoice is sent in or otherwise I don't get paid. Right. So that was great. Yeah. So every business, um, it's going to look different. There are a handful of project management tools that are out there. I know um, I'm not even going to name names because they're easy to find um, that will allow you for a lot of coaches to set up, you know, some of their back end systems that you'll need. So there are people who have thought through a lot of these things. And I would definitely recommend like look within your industry to find what you think is going to work best for you. I will be very upfront to say there is no one system that does it all. So just get over it. <laughs> just deal with it. No, they're multiple. <laughs> and, and if you really, really want to dig into this, and I mean, this is one that I'm starting to explore myself and, you know, some of the, the, the roles that I've had professionally, like I'm like, duh, I should have figured this out years ago. The real deal is you're going to have to create your own and you want to create your own 
because the backend is an asset. Come on. So can I have fun here with the website conversation that I have sometimes, which gets on my nerves, but you know, let's have fun with this. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't see why we don't go, go right ahead. All right. So I'm not going to name names of platforms that I don't like. I'll be really nice about that today, but I am going to name a platform that I do like. People cannot stand WordPress because WordPress takes so much time. I got to learn all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I created my first website on WordPress. I hired a developer because I know that's not my lane. I don't do really well. I invested in getting a developer that could create a theme for me that lasted like for like four or five years with no problem, right? And I've continued to upgrade and keep it on WordPress. The reason I love WordPress is because I own my own data. Mm. So every month, I can do a download of all of my data. And if at any given time, me and WordPress have a fight, an argument, a discussion, I don't wanna work with them no more, blah, 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 blah. I can literally take all of, like I have all of it literally and recreate the whole thing someplace else. Because what I understand the website is, and for the record, I don't have an e-commerce site, which I could only imagine would be even more of a disaster if I didn't own my data there, right? Um, but. I, I'm looking at the website as an asset in my business. Now, that being said, it is, you know, the year we're in right now and things are going to get even more interesting with AI and like where we're going forward. So I may have to shift how I think about that, but I will not shift that I see the website as an asset. So I may move over to another tool at a certain point. I, I just may do it. I don't know. But I, I will make the decision based upon the fact that I'm building an asset in my business it's not what's the quickest, simplest way that I can do X. And then I just stick with that thing forever and ever and ever. And then the month that I don't pay, that's always been my greatest fear. The month that I don't pay, I'm screwed. Right. All of that information is gone. And, and company, meanwhile, they have all my customers. They know who they are. They mm -hmm. have all of that information. They, they're crystal clear on who those people are. But I don't have it. Wow. That's, I don't know that I've heard that before, Maya, that there was even companies that you wouldn't be able to get that inf your customer information from, the click rate, the results. You, of you, who's listen, visited all you, can, you can get all of it, but you don't own the data. And the, I'll, the easy way to figure it out is the easier it is to create the solution right? The easier it is to get the website up and running, the less likely you own that information. Now I've seen recently, like one of my clients, interestingly enough, one of my clients introduced to me this um, new system. It's an ERP. Don't ask me what ERP stands for, but it's like this, it does everything. <laughs> That's what I can tell that it does, okay. right? <laughs> now, this one blew my mind because this program does think like WordPress where they give you the framework for everything. And then you have to go in and create what you're going to do. You have to set up the CRM. You have to set up the invoicing and they have all of these specialists that help you and blah, 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 blah. Now this, this tool that I just came across is blowing my mind because it, it does actually do almost everything. I mean, it's kind of scary how much it does, but most people would look at that and be, and go running from it because you probably need to spend easily three to six months putting it together, but you own the, 
data. You own the ask, like you own it all at the end in my mind. So if you're really understanding again, your business at a certain point in your business, you're going to want to exit from your business. You're going to want to like, this is not something that you should do, you know, for an eternity or whatever. And even if you say, well, I'm just going to die doing it. That's fine. How are your, how are your dependents or descendants, your heirs, how are they going to leverage the information? Well, if you haven't set it up where it's an asset from day one, and you've kind of thought through all of those bells and whistles, then the business only makes it because you show up. So you're now telling me that all those 30 years or 10 years or 20 years you put into it, can nobody run the darn thing? I mean, that's a problem when people try to go to sell businesses now is they can't sell the business, even though the business is making, you know, thousands of dollars, in some cases, millions of dollars, because it's so dependent upon the current executive team and what's up in their head and how they run it. And so, again, I'm not a website specialist. I am not. Um I don't like recommending technology tools because people get caught up in the tools. All I do ask you is, is that when you make the decisions, it's to your earlier point, invest in a coach because you understand it's about ROI, yeah. right? Invest in the back end of your business where you understand it is an asset. It's yeah. not just checking the box, right? It's not just getting things done. It's being able to understand that that WordPress website that I created umpteen years ago, when I went to upgrade it and add plugins and add all these different new bells and whistles and things like that, I could, whereas I know a bunch of folks, a lot of people, I've coached them, I've worked with them, they're our friends and everything like that. They have to shut the whole thing down for six months when they upgrade in their business because the tool that they were using was just, just let's make it look pretty. Let's do what we got to do. And they didn't think about the long-term viability. They didn't think about the asset part of the business. And so that's going to cost you in the long run. Right. I think that's a perfect segue into the question I had for you when you talked about mindset is what you worked with. And it, like, as you're talking about thinking immediate gratification versus long-term investment, and you were talking about, especially around sales, like there's got to be a mindset shift. You work with your clients to do that because it, it changes how you show up. Or the example that you gave, somebody's not coming to see you for two weeks because stuff's not perfect versus, no, just come, we'll talk about it. You didn't do it, we'll move through it. And so my question, Maya, is can you talk about just one, because I know this is an area of expertise for you, but just one way or method that you teach for people to shift their mindset around sales? Sure. Um, so the one that came up um, as you were asking the question, and now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, this is the, this is one of the big ones, right? Um, it's the perfectionism. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to delve into it in a way that a lot of people may not, because a lot of times I'm hearing it referred to as like the imposter syndrome and some of those other types of things. And let me just be very blunt and say that for those of us who are in the workplace right now as women of color, and that typically ident identify as indigenous women of color, that's the key to me of this whole framework, how we show up around perfection is very different than it is talked about in society. And here's what I mean by that. I was told when I was young and it wasn't just by my you know, family, it was by everybody that I knew, you as a black woman are gonna have to work twice as hard. You're gonna have to you know, put in a lot of time and energy. You're gonna have to be better than everyone else there because they're gonna find every excuse they can to get rid of you. Like all this stuff was ingrained in my, and it is what it is, right? Like shut up, sit down and do what you gotta do. <laughs> you know, it mm -hmm. just is what it is. 
So there's truth to what they've said for the record. I, I want to be clear. Like there was some wisdom in those pearls that they dropped, even when I worked in white collar environments that they had never worked in, right? Like there was huge truth to what they were saying. But that being said, then when I showed up in my business, that very same thing that allowed me to be a uh, halfway successful, I emphasize halfway because, you know, I always am an entrepreneur, but, you know, I tried. I really did try to be a halfway successful employee are mm-hmm. also going to be the very things that are going to crush me when I get started working in a business because I'm adjusted to always overworking myself and I don't know why. I'm adjusted to before I'm going to make a pitch, before I'm going to turn in a report, before I'm going to send anything to anyone. If it is not perfect, I will not send it out. And then let's really have fun here because in my case, I can recall, and I sometimes I have to catch myself because I still have tendencies about this, right? I won't send it out because I know I'm going to hear the backlash no matter what I send out. Anyhow. Because there's always there's always a comment that goes on. Oh, this wasn't right, and that wasn't right, and then mm-hmm. you know, and I know, I'm, and I'll feel like dealing with that today. Right. For the next seven days or the next fourteen days, so I just don't send it out. And so the the perfection, if you identify as I do, as a black woman or as a as a brown woman, and you have had professional experiences where they have marginalized you. That one I will use very intentionally. They have marginalized you. They have made you have to play small in order to show up on a regular basis. You know, I can recall a number of times when I had moved into a senior leadership position where I would encounter other individuals that did not look like me that could not believe that I was the leader of the team. Mm. Right. And we go into this whole conversation, blah, 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 blah. And I have to then appease them because I don't need them going running back and tell my boss and blah, 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 blah. Even though I didn't do anything wrong, but you just didn't believe this little short woman here was actually the leader of the team. Like right. you couldn't get over it. Right. So now I got to comfort you with your psychosis when I didn't do anything wrong in mine. Well, if I think that that's not going to show up in how I sell when I start a business, you fooling yourself. Of course, that's going to show up. Because I've been conditioned since day one to play small. I've been conditioned since day one to not raise a ruckus, to not, because I got to keep this damn job. I got to keep a roof over my head. You know, I've been conditioned to show up in spaces in certain ways. And even though it's not who I really am, it at least allowed me to achieve enough success in my business in this particular, I mean, in my work rather as an employee in this particular way. Yeah, but that's the complete opposite of what's going to be probably needed in order for me to grow as a business owner. And so the stat that fuels me is that in 2016, the Federal Reserve did their research on women entrepreneurs. The average woman entrepreneur earns 137,000, average I should emphasize, 137,000 per year. But the average black woman, and again, this was 2016, although the numbers unfortunately look about the same now, the average black woman earns 27,000 a year. The average Latina earns 52,000 per year even though the average woman entrepreneur earns 137. Um, is it because we stupid? Heck no. Is right. it because we can't get the job done? No. There's a whole bunch of reasons why it looks that way. I can't address the institutional reasons of why it looks that way because there are institutional reasons why that money looks that way. Let's be clear, okay? And those systems need to be held accountable. But what I can do is help you navigate the identities that you had to take on as an employee that you don't even realize that you do. But that's the reason why it's showing up the way that it is and why you're not going after certain types of things because you're obsessed with that perfection mindset 
and rightfully so, because if you have to go back to work tomorrow, you better pick that that mantle right back up. Mm. Facts. So how how do what's one way, one thing I can do once I the, yeah you have to become record. aware of it. You have yeah. to become aware. Of it. You have to become aware of it. There isn't a one size fits all solution for everyone, but the one thing that I can say very clearly that I think is the most powerful is the awareness of it. Mm -hmm. So I had a conversation just the other day myself with a client where there was an interesting power dynamic that was going on. And I saw it for myself where I caught how I was beginning to revert back into that playing small again. Hmm. Scenario, right? Like I caught myself, like because the scenario showed up and the smack back came back the way it did, and they said what they said, and then I was about to respond, and then I was like, oh, oh, oh wait, wait, hold on. Mm -mm. And so I literally, no exaggeration, I went, I mopped my floors, I went and did laundry, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I waited until my own energy was able to kind of change the conversation, like where I came back at it from a powerful, more powerful position. And I felt more empowered about responding. And yeah, so what? I didn't give them the immediate response back that they wanted or whatever, whatever, mm -hmm. you wait, you'll be fine. Um, right. I can't tell you what exactly to do, but I can definitely tell you when you start having crystal clear awareness of how it shows up, then when you're in containers with others, like we've had a number of times in my group calls where we're having, um, someone is like sharing what happened to them on a sales call. And it's like, oh my gosh, that happened to me too. Like, when you get to be in that space and place where people can, you, like, you're not crazy type of thing. Yeah. The actual, how do you solve it will become way easier to figure out. But first you have to become aware of it. And for many of us, it is this like silent hidden thing that we're just, we're not aware that that's how we're operating, but that's what's holding you back. That is so good. And you so just gave me an aha moment. Because as showed up, what showed up, yeah. What showed up as a black female? Of course, I was taught you have to be two times better. You have to do more work. You have to press. You have to show up better. And even running my own business, even though I hear take time for yourself, recharge, have constraint in your schedule. And I have lived when I've taken a break. I've recognized those first few days coming back or week coming back is much clearer, much more productive. Logically, mentally, I can recognize it. Subconsciously, I still then plan my days to spend 12 hours a day working because I think that's what I have to do. Oh my goodness, Maya. Now, granted, work's got to get done, right? Like make it less, do the work, do activity that's going to actually produce the result, not stuff that I'm doing that just makes me feel busy. Okay, completely different topic. But I don't have to spend 12 to 14 hours, six days a week to do that because I have been taught, Maya, you want me to send you a check? No, I want you to keep up with more of these ahas like this, right? Because this will, I like, no, that's, this is it. This is exactly it, right? I mean, and you, you, I mean, I'm, I won't dive into coaching hat because I already just from that one, I'm like, ooh, ooh, let's have fun, let's have fun. But no, I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna restrain myself from the right, right, right. But my immediate thing when you, when you say that is it's then to start to drill down and then, okay, so how can we show, how can I help you show up? And I will even ask you that question and just think about it, take some time to reflect on this. How can you then show up 
where the idea of where you want to go is going to be all the way over here. Mm-hmm. That ain't going to be a reality for a second. And it's not because you can't do it, but because you have to unwind because that's what it is. There is a habit that we have. And if you have the habit and you have it so deeply ingrained, you have to unwind it by literally creating a brand new neural pathway. There is some neuroscience behind this, right? And so to get you to that first step, my recommendation would be to pick like what are one or two things that you can start doing that, you know, maybe it's like 11.5 hours instead of 12, right? Mm-hmm. But like, right, because it, it, like you're not going to go down to eight or six tomorrow and, and nor should you, to be frank, because you want to take time to kind of unpack that and you got it. Your body has to feel comfortable with it too. Mm. And it, it will show up in very hidden ways. You'll self-sabotage in very hidden ways if you don't feel like you lean into it. I mean, really quickly, I'm diverging, but not really. People often be like, well, Maya, how much should I charge for this? How much should I charge for this? And I'm like, you charge what you feel comfortable with because if your body doesn't feel comfortable with it, I can tell you to charge this amount all you want and you won't. But I've had coaching where people have told me you're not charging enough or you should charge this price, whatever, whatever. The minute I believed it for myself, that was easy. Okay. But I'd be dancing around that thing for like years. I'm like, well, I well they and this and that and no, 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 no. But you have to, you have to kind of grow into it where you believe it, and then you can pitch it, and then nobody has to kind of tell you how to be able to do it. So I would say the same thing with this: is identify one or two areas right now. Don't do the whole thing. But what are one or two areas right now that you believe right now? Are that expanded Kanisha that doesn't have to put in the physical labor in order to get the result and just pick one or two things to start out with. Okay. Right. And then have fun with this. Track your hours. There goes mm-hmm. that measurement. Track your hours. Hold yourself accountable to that for a period of time. And then play around with it. The first way that you do it, it might not work. Right. That's okay. Yep. Okay. Thank you for my mini coaching session. I love it. I love it. As you, as you should have, as you should have for doing this work. The least we can do is make sure that you're able to grow your business in this process. And, you know, seriously, like start out with, start out with small things. You know, I started out when I remember um, when my daughter was younger, like the bane of my existence was laundry, right? Because, you know, they eat and then they spit up, right? Um, <laughs> And so, you know, my mother, bless her heart was, you know, my mother was always real big on self-sufficiency and you take care of stuff and whatever, whatever. But she did agree to support me on that one task of she taking all the baby's laundry. Okay. Right. Like my laundry and my partner's, that's not for us to figure out, but she taking all the laundry. And so then I specifically found ways to reuse that time. Didn't fall into feeling guilty that, oh, I should be doing everything. I should be doing all the cleaning and blah, 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 blah. And then it's then become stages of where it then grow. So like right now, I still do pay for grocery delivery services, right? Pandemic gone and over, right? It's expensive. Yeah, but you know what? Every time that I go to the supermarket, I'm going to blow an hour or two or three hours easily. Right. Yep. Where I could have been doing one or two other things, I could have been actually resting mm-hmm. so I could show for an interview like this and look good because I'm rested for the interview or I could even have been working which is okay and heck I make a heck of a lot more 
in the work part of it, like I can choose whatever I want. Right. Right. So you can, I mean, even if you start small with like tasks like that, like what are things that are driving you crazy? What are things that, you know, that can kind of help you and, and, and do the small steps. Do not try to, cause what you're talking about is I, adopting a new identity, mm-hmm. which I'm here for. Just so we're clear. I'm here for this identity. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> When you really lean into this identity, by the way, I, like I heard it, when you lean into this identity, Kanisha, um, just for the record, just so you see the possibility, you will have like easily that six, seven figure business. And I don't toss that around lightly. Okay. Thank you. Where you're not working the 12 hours. Mm-hmm. I received that. And so I'm here she- for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm here for it. Um, but you gotta, you gotta, you have to take the small steps consistently so that you receive it in your body. And then that way, when you then go to do the next step, that's a little bit scarier. And then the next one after that, and the next one after that, you already have the pattern formed and it's way easier to lean into it. The foundation is yeah. building the foundation. Yeah. Maya, um, thank you so much for that. I just, and to your point, I really think the Lord told me to start this podcast because he needed to get me some coaching. And I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, no, I'm okay. Um, or I was looking in a different place. Like, I, as you said earlier, we don't, our, we, it's silent, our mindset that we're not even aware of. It's that silent mindset that we're not aware of. And so thank you for pouring in to me today. Thank you. Okay. If I can have seven to nine more minutes. Um <laughs> One more question, and then I'm going to do yeah. our wrap-up questions that I neglectfully didn't, but you'll, you'll be fine. Okay, great. I wanted to ask, because you're a speaker and because mm-hmm. you talked about, you can close people when they're in front of you. I'll dip. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask one of your secrets of closing, either from the stage or in a workshop, that you do, something unique that you found works for you. I don't know if they're unique. Um, I will say that there's a number of, if you look at some of the different sales training systems that are out there, there's a number of them that are out there that can teach you techniques about closing. I will say that the biggest one for me is that I will intentionally set up whatever it is that I'm doing, that I'm closing you from the minute that I started. I don't wait. Like, I, I find this fascinating when I've worked with coaching clients because they're like, well, what do I have to say at the end? And blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, if you set it up from the beginning, you never really have to close. I mean, you do. You have to mm-hmm. give some specifics and you have to give very, um, you know, next steps, logical next steps of what the person's going to do. How do they take action? Give me a deadline, you know, put some incentives in there, things like that. You have to include all of those things in there. But I think the biggest one of all is, is you start out from the beginning of, setting it up from the beginning where you are already identifying the people that you want to work with, the people that you know are going to be a fit. And you find ways to put that kind of at the front end of the conversation. And so then once you kind of get to the the place of being able to say, and here's the opportunity, it's actually not that hard because you've kind of already laid the groundwork for it. But most people think it's all in the clothes. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's 
what are their motivations for why they're interested in the first place? Have I spent time in building relationships with the people before I even got up on stage and connecting with them and understanding what moves them, what interests them, things of that nature? Um, have I built in something? My big thing is I always build in something real. You know, it's not just the um, the high level possibilities and transformation, even though I'm all about that, right? But like, let me give you something very real and actionable, right? Like what we just had right now, like what's something real and actionable that, that you can take action on so that you feel like, oh, well, if this is what I got for like in 10 minutes, imagine what's going to happen. Cause of course that is what's going to happen. And we spent an hour together, right? Like let's have fun with this. Um, so I think the key is, is you start out from building that in, and then you said unique. I think the other part too, and this, I hesitate to say it cause I, I think people will hear it and not get where I'm going with it, but I'm just, whatever, we're just going to say it and you use it however you use it. What is the energy that you are projecting from the beginning also, right? Yeah. So all money in my, in my mind, all money is not good money. It's just not. Come on. So I'm not there to close every single person in the room. I'm there to close the people that I need to close for X, Y, and Z. Even when I've, I've done this a couple of times for different companies in the past where I've had a mandate to help them get X dollar amount. Like even if I'm in that position, I still don't believe all money is good money. And so there is an energy you have to hold with that, that when you first start doing it, it's, it's going to be hard to be frank, because you want all the money, <laughs> you know, right. you want to make money out of this thing. But people pick up on that. And I think for a lot of people, you know, I'm not going to get too woo-woo in it because we can easily. And there are still some techniques you kind of got to use to do it. But I do think that you got to pay attention to what is that energy that you have around how you're positioning and presenting the clothes. I mean, if I can be real, like, and this might help people from the B2C perspective, that client that I spoke to you about earlier, where, you know, in 16 minutes, I helped her figure out a solution. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't actually, ironically, we got on the call. It was a discovery call. We got on the call and there was the opportunity for her to start working with me. I actually didn't close her because my energy said, like, she's really, really good people but she's not the fit for right here, right now, but just serve her, just serve her, give her whatever it is that she needs, just serve her, make sure she's good. She got what she needs. You already see what's happening six months from now, when she does get to whatever that next level is, she's going to come back to me. Mm -hmm. mm. That's good. And so powerful because to your point, people get into business because they want to work money. And when you're not at those higher levels or you're not at the level where it's replaced your income from your job, or you feel like you've gotten to what society says is a successful level, then you feel like I've got to do everything or take everything in order to get it. But it's so powerful that you said, right? Like you checked in and you knew, okay, no, this is not. And what I don't think people realize and we forget in the moment until it shows up later is when we listen to those, God will send even better the next in the next week, in the next month. Listen, we're about to go on a whole nother 30 more minutes if you start that one. So I, I'm not even going, I'm not even going to address that one, Kanisha. We're going to leave that on the table. We're going to put it down. I'm not even going to touch it. I'm going to go grab my word after this call and be like, thank you, Father. Like, we're not even going to touch that one. Okay? We're not touching that. But we'll leave it. I think we're right there. But to be frank, I think that's the energy piece that I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So 
let me just get a thousand percent real. I know what my source is. I know who my creator is. I know who put me here on this earth to do this work. And so I have to trust and believe that the people that I'm supposed to work with are going to show up in my world. Now, that does require some work on my part. I can't be sitting at home, not talking to nobody, right? Come on. Putting my five or six stories up on social media and thinking that's enough. Like that, that is not enough. And we know it's not enough, right? right. <laughs> so I, I have to put in the work, but I also, the the best results that I have gotten have come from when I have channeled that specific energy that you're talking about. That's really what I meant by with the energy is when I am channeling how God shows up in my world. That's why I can't tell you how to do it because it's, I only know how it works for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I do know like there's a couple of ways is like, you know, ways that you seed your talk. There's ways that you, you know, position the clothes at a certain time frame and how you do it. Like there's, there's no technical things and those matter. Those matter a lot, but a large part to me of a successful close is the energy that you bring to it. And so I'm not going to sell a coaching client if I don't think they're ready to do the work right now. And this has happened even when I need the money. Like, mm -hmm. let me just be clear. Yep. because I'd rather have it be a win-win for both of us. And to your greater point, if I have belief in who my creator is and how he kind of runs, and I use he, but you know, use whatever works for you, but how he operates in my life, then I already understand that doors are going to open up. I'm not going to be able to understand how or why, but it's because I have, I have complete faith in that energy, that source. I am not the source. Correct. My job um, is to steward the energy that I get and serve the people. So that's why I served her. So Kanisha, that's a whole, we, we need to do a whole podcast. Uh, just okay. that one <laughs> I was like, we just, gonna, we just gonna let that sit right there. Just <laughs> We're gonna let that sit right there because that's a whole like 500 hour conversation. That is but, a whole nother conversation. Oh my goodness. Okay. It's real. It is. It's real. A hundred percent. But it takes faith discipline and discernment to walk in that a hundred percent. Okay. I won't, I won't take up any more of your time except to ask these last three questions, which are quick. They're, they're the shortened version of my, before you go quick fire round questions. I'm here for it. Okay. So I just want to ask you two of them. Um, the first one is Maya, what is the one thing you would attribute the most weight to in scaling your business to its first six, fig six figures? I'll give the term your systems. And I'll give it very loosely um, because the systems you need to get to your first 10K will look one way, to your first 50K will look another way, to from 50 to like 70 to 80, and then from 80 to 100. And I hope people receive that at whatever stage that they're in. I, I do think everyone needs to be tracking their numbers that we spoke earlier, like across the board. But I think the thing that will help people move the, that needle along further is your systems. Because at a certain point, you can't work enough to bring in the money. It's going to be the systems behind the scenes that are going to help you to bring in the money. That's good. That's so good. Okay. Then last one. Book or podcast. So, the yeah. pressure. The pressure, the pressure is on. <laughs> that you recommend as an absolute must to consume. Oh my gosh. Um, the books are hard. Um, I have three bookcases in my house and at any given time, there's like four of them that I'm reading at the same time. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
You can give a couple. I'll give one woo-woo. Okay. And I'll give one direct. Let's do it that way. Okay. So I, one of the most transformative books that I read early on for getting my business started was The E-Myth. And a lot of people come across that book and they're like, oh yeah, it's really, really wonderful. But do you actually take the time to integrate the types of systems and the ways of thinking that Michael Gerber recommends, right? And for most business owners, they don't. It still becomes this great idea, this great concept. Um, and I think for a lot of us, if we just, even as a coach, right, like you're doing the work as a coach because you care about your people, you care about the results that they get, um, you care about like what happens in their life because that's why most people will get into coaching, right? Like I can make a difference and get paid for it. Awesome. But you do have to take some time and kind of think about your business in a way with the same formula that Michael Gerber gives in the E-Myth of like, how do I set this as an actual entity? How do I think through this so that I can duplicate the results? Um, because a lot of people in the coaching industry will you know, say there is a magical number, by the way, in the coaching industry that you are, you're not going to be able to get past this number if you don't find a way to systematize your business, if you don't find a way to kind of duplicate your results. So I get it's hard. And when you first start out, no, you don't have to, you know, be focusing on that right away, but you do need to be open to what that looks like because it will show up as you kind of move forward. The first time that you look at your calendar and you're like, oh my God, I have 10 coaching calls in one week. What am I going to do? And meanwhile, when you first started, you would have been like, oh my God, I would have been so excited about 10. But yeah, you do that for like three months in a row. You're going to be like, you know, plucking your eyeballs out type of thing. So, right. Yeah. So, I think Michael Gerber, and then the second one, um, the four agreements. Um, I'm going to totally butcher the author's name, Don Miguel Ruiz. Coaches, you know, we have to do, be our own personal self development, right? And we have to definitely make sure that we're walking the walk and the talk that um, we need to. So, I'm reading a book right now, for example, on restorative justice. I'm blanking on the full title of the book that for me is like, forcing me to ask questions about what, you know, social justice looks like and things of that nature as a black woman that I'm like, I never ask these questions. Um, but I think if you have frameworks like, um, the four agreements, um, you know, I use in my own world, I use the Bible as like the number one foundation of like where my ideas and truths really come from, to be frank. Um, those things then help so that as you're showing up in your imperfection, you will still keep moving forward because we're not supposed to reach perfection. We're just supposed to continue to improve and continue to grow. But I think it, it keeps you from being crippled of like, well, I'm just, I haven't gotten this perfect yet or I haven't gotten this because you won't. And that's okay. Correct. Never will. Yeah. My please tell people. It's a hard question. I don't like the book question because there's. <laughs> well, you don't like it because you're such an avid and voracious reader. That's why. 20 books that I'd recommend. I'm like, on my table right now, I got um T.D. Jake's newest book. I got the restorative justice book. I got the seven agreement. Like it's, it's too many, it's too many, I can't. You remind me of my mentor. He is the one who first introduced me to the fact that people can read multiple books at one time. And I tried it, y'all can have it. I'm going to read my one book. I'm gonna take notes. I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna remember where I was when I read that book. <laughs> the last time yesterday the day before and then I'm going to finish it and move on but I have mad respect for you all at the intellectual level who can read multiple books at the same time mad respect but, you know what but seriously you just illustrated why I think it's important to customize your own sales plan you just nailed that right there 
Because what works for me is not going to work for someone else and vice versa. If you know that you have that discipline to do it, like I don't have the discipline to be frank. I find it as a, a very hard dis- thing to discipline myself. And I will read, I will get all the books read, but I just, I, I like to play around and move back and forth. Um, then I, I love that answer because that literally is to me the crux of what, why you need to have a sales plan that fits you. Mm-hmm. And this is why all of you listening and all of you who will listen, because you're going to share this episode with three other people, is why you need to work with Maya. (laughs) So Maya, tell them how they can work with you, where they can connect with you, and anything that you have coming up. Sure, definitely, most definitely. So I'm going to share with you a link to my 21 questions assessment. Um, I put this tool together uh, uh, probably about six months ago, because I was tired of people getting the same old, same old tip sheet checklist. And listen, I'm, I'm all here for it of like giving you um, the freebies and the information and the things that are going to help you change the game. But what I know for a lot of businesses is they don't have a way to assess what they are doing well and exactly where they're falling down. And that's what the 21, um, questions will actually help you do is you will get a very clear cut and you have to answer it for yourself, right? Like, and it's pretty easy to go through the questions are not that hard, but it allows you to kind of step back and see like, okay, so I am actually doing okay in these couple of areas of my marketing in this area of my sales and this area of my operations, I go through all the core areas that you have within your business, but here are the areas where I'm not doing as well. And then I think that to me is the game changer for a lot of us, because then you know where to focus, right? Stop taking a 600 social media course, Uh, because you love social media and I'm here for that. But if your real area you need to focus on is client acquisition, which is probably where most folks need to focus, um, then let's build some systems and let's build some marketing around acquiring clients and what that looks like for your business, your brand, your people. And let's figure out what that that opportunity is. So I will make sure you definitely get the link for that so they can kind of go through and do their own self-assessment. Thank you. And website, the WordPress website that you've kept and reiterated, for your website they can reach yes, out to you. yes so um the the brand that i'm moving into um to, my current website is pretty easy it's just my name it's mayaharadat.com but the brand that i'm moving into is the new majority institute um and i will own i'm taking my time with this the new majority institute for me is is that opportunity for those of us that are underestimated to get very 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 specific containers around in groups and then also around getting certain types of guest speakers and experts coming in that will speak to some of these topics in a way that's going to resonate with us, period. Um, but I won't lie, I'm taking my time with this because I first had the idea a couple of, you know, like uh, around the BLM, you know, when the movement was really big and things of that nature. But I realized that a lot of things were going to die down, which they have. And I wanted this to be something that's going to be lasting and going to be um, not just like some, you know, fly in the pan, you know, like flash in the pan rather type of thing. I want it to be something that makes an impact because I personally believe that underestimated entrepreneurs need to earn seven figures because that's what's going to transform our communities, period. You're going to hire people at the right level. You're going to put money into back into your community, back into the, the, the areas that we need to see more civic involvement and more engagement and things of that nature. But if we don't get that transfer of wealth into specific folks' hands, you know, we're just going to continue to see the chaos that we see right now with, uh, you know, with the 1%. So um, I'll give you the Maya Haradat website and I'll give you the link for the 21 um, questions, but stay tuned for the New Majority Institute because um, that is soon come. That sounds amazing. I love the name, the intentionality, majority 
institute majority yeah. the new major the new majority, new institute. majority yeah, institute. are the new majority yeah yes i love it maya this has been amazing oh my goodness Likewise. thank oh. you i feel so honored yeah. the honor is mine thank you for being here today thank you for sharing thank you for just being so real and so fun oh my goodness <laughs> Likewise, likewise. You made it an absolute joy to be able to have this conversation. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Coach Up Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone else, with another fellow entrepreneur, a friend who you know needs to hear this message. Also, if you've enjoyed listening to the Coach Up Podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you get notification every time a new episode comes out. And if you would be so kind as to make sure that you go follow me at The Connection Collaborator on Instagram or LinkedIn at LinkedIn forward slash Kanisha Hart, then I would be delighted to connect with you, hear from you and hear your feedback on how the Coach Up podcast is helping you in your business. Again, as always, thanks for being a part of the Coach Up podcast. We will see you on the next episode.